Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. If you're anything like me, then it will have been your passion for hairdressing that inspired you to open your salon. I know many salon owners who feel this way, so I know you relate. You went from your apprenticeship or maybe beauty school to working in a salon as a stylist or a therapist to then owning your salon. Now, all of a sudden, all of those business responsibilities with no formal training is on your shoulders. Even though you own your business, the thought of being a salon CEO is a little scary because that feels like a whole nother ballgame, right? Spending fewer hours working in the business, something that you know, to working on the business that you don't know can feel daunting. But as a result, you spend much too time on the floor, too much time on the floor with clients and not enough time working behind the scenes on growing the business. So it's an easy question to ask yourself, do I have what it takes? How will I know what to do? Will I enjoy this new role? So I totally get it. But what if we challenge the fear surrounding this and say, by saying it's possible to make the transition from owner operator to salon CEO successfully, even if you feel like you can't do it to begin with. Today, I'm chatting with Abby Tong. Now, Abby is someone who knows this feeling way too well Yet she's the proof in the pudding that it's possible to overcome. Having owned her salon now, So You Hairdressing, for six and a half years and successfully making the transition off the floor in order to become the salon CEO of her business, Abby shares how she reached success after the difficult journey that she faced and how you can do this too. I believe her journey journey is a true inspiration. One to hear. So let's dive in and meet Abby. Abby, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Super chuffed to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me. This has been on my bucket list forever. So I feel very privileged to be here. Love it. <laughs> well, let's start with, well, who are you anyway? Where are you in the world? What do you do? Tell us about Abby. All right. Well, I'm Abby Tong. Um, I am originally from the UK. Um, I'm a salon owner here in the windy city of Wellington. Um, I have been hairdressing for 10 years and I actually moved here eight years ago. Um, so a little fun fact was uh, that I literally qualified uh, from hairdressing on the Monday and moved to New Zealand on the Thursday. So I took my qualification and I left straight away. Um, I bought my salon, So You Here, six and a half years ago um, in the beautiful suburb of Thorndon in Wellington. I love it. And uh, that was one year after you qualified, after you arrived here in New Zealand. And uh, I know that owning a salon was not 
necessarily on your agenda. So I'm really keen for you to share your story from one year out of being qualified, moving to a new country, uh, buying a salon, and now six years later, you are completely off the floor, running a thriving business. Uh, take us through, uh, take us through your journey in the last six years. Well, it was, it's been a roll. It's been a roller coaster for sure. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I never, ever wanted to be a salon owner. I don't think I ever really had enough time in the industry to even think of that as an option because I was so fresh and so new. Um, I came to hairdressing a little bit later. Um, for me, my goal was to always go in the army. Um, so it was, it was the military life for me. And then when that didn't happen, um, due to physical ailments that prevented me, um, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did hairdressing, um, quite late. And then uh, I was 26 when I moved here and I moved to a well-known salon in Wellington to work. And I, after three months of working there, met this, um, wonderful man who became a client and after six months of back and forth back and forth he became my boyfriend and after three months he was sick and tired of me moaning about the salon life and what I would do differently to make it better and said all right we'll put your money where your mouth is then and I was like ah Oh no. <laughs> um, and so I should, I should precursor this with that. My then boyfriend is now my husband, Matt, uh, who is an accountant and has his own accounting firm. So he's always had a really good sense of business and he must've seen something in me that I couldn't see myself and decided to back me. So we bought, so you here together. And I had literally had one year of hairdressing on the floor. So I had no leadership skills. I had no management experience. I had a very small set of skills um, that were very underdeveloped. And then suddenly I was uh, at the head of the ship. And so it's really been a baptism of fire over the last six and a half years. You know, I've made so many mistakes and I've learned from them and I've been guided by wonderful people in the industry that have um, helped me and given me lots of advice and tips and Wellington has such an amazing hairdressing community like that you know there's so many other salon owners that are like hey have you tried this or have you thought about this or this would be really cool so the collective uh, environment's been really really helpful for me um, and so yeah, so it's been six and a half years and I knew that after the first couple of years, I was just really into the hairdressing side of things. I just wanted to do hair. And the whole agreement between myself and Matt was that he would do the boring stuff. He would do the business stuff because that was his strength and his skill. And I could just be the hairdresser um, and just have the pretty salon and do what I wanted to do. And for the first couple of years, that was fine. And then we decided hey, let's, let's enter the industry awards. Why not? Let's, let's use the industry awards as a marker to see how we're doing. And we won, which was so shocking. We, we could not believe we made finalists for marketing excellence. And bearing in mind, I was doing the marketing and I have no marketing skills at all. Um, slightly more than I now than I had then, but it was all you know so unknown and hit and miss for me. 
um, and we won Boutique Salon of the Year. So that was a huge lift. Um, and I must say that the first three years, we, we sat down last night and we looked back over the last six and a half years and we cannot believe <laughs> that we didn't give up in the first three because it was so hard. It was, it, we, we experienced every negative thing you could experience in those three years. And it was like, oh my goodness, why are we doing this? What's the, what's the point? You know, it's- What, are some, what are some of those uh, key things that really hit you in the face over those three years, Abby? Well, it's all the hats that you suddenly uh, have to wear. Um, there's, you know, you have to suddenly know how to be good at marketing, um, management, accounting, business development, education, HR, employment law. It's all these things that actually I had no idea about. And I don't think there's any salon owner that opens a business goes, oh my goodness, I've got 17 other qualifications to do this. So I'm well equipped. It really is something that you have to learn as you go um, or surround yourself with you know, somebody from each industry that's prepared to help you, which is highly unlikely. Um, so that was incredibly stressful. And I think the biggest, the first thing that really hit me was all of a sudden, if I didn't have my shit together, I was responsible for people paying their mortgage, for people paying rent, for people feeding themselves. And the weight of that responsibility was immense for me. I went from being a party animal, fly by the seat of my pants, you know, overnight to this boring, sensible, you know, I, I can't afford to lose a day to a hangover now. I've got responsibilities. I'm adulting. Um, so that was huge. That was a huge personal shift for me. And then we had all, you know, the fun things with staff and toxic salon culture. And I remember one of the worst, worst things being we couldn't have a holiday without something happening. So our first holiday as salon owners, we had only made it as far, we'd made it one flight to Singapore and we turned, I turned my phone on and it just kicked off in the salon. And so I spent the first half of my holiday dealing with that. And it was just like, oh my goodness, there's no let up, no let up at all. Um, working with your husband is also incredibly challenging um, and that was one of the reasons why I ended up coming to you um, and Salon Mastery because while my husband is so knowledgeable and, you know, he is incredible at what he does with accounting and business development and he sees things that, you know, I would never see, he doesn't speak the right side of the brain language that I need to hear. So those first few years, we would have so many arguments because he'd want to talk to me on a Sunday because that was the only day he could do wages and payroll and everything like that. And that was my first day off the salon floor and I was over it. I didn't want to talk about it. And so we found, we found it very consuming. There was, it just felt like we had no life outside of this salon. Um, which was not what I'd signed up for. I don't, I don't think I really knew what I'd signed up for, but it, in my mind, it was, it was like, okay, this is awful. You know, why are we doing this? So I came to you and you taught me how to love spreadsheets. I mean, I never <laughs> thought, I genuinely never thought 
I would enjoy Excel as much as I do. Um, but you gave me the skills to really take control of my business. And you, in effect, you really helped my marriage too, because you helped me take some of the burden off of Matt so that he could have actually a weekend and a life because he's running his business all week. And so his weekend is spent working on our business. So with me being able to do more of that, it's, um, it's actually taken some of that off of his plate, which has been amazing. What's really uh, interesting too, is that really you not only uh, bought a business with a relatively new relationship in the scheme of things, having <laughs> arrived at a brand new country, so you've got a new country, a new relationship, a new business, um, and you had a lot of personal stuff going on as well in terms of weddings and houses and um, I mean that's all consuming all of the big rocks that we have in our lives <laughs> you think about the big markers in our lives you kind of stuff them into the last six years yeah so actually yeah and, and that was the funny thing was clients would always say to me my god when are you going to stop you know because not only did we have the salon and, and everything that was going on with the salon. Yeah, we um, we got engaged and then we got married. Um, we had to do earthquake renovations on our apartment before we could sell that. And then we decided that we wanted to build a house, which was crazy. Um, and over the last four years, we've been doing IVF as well, trying to have a family. So there's been so much personal stuff going on and um, it, the whole trying to start a family thing has been really my motivator to, to get off the floor. Um, I don't know, not many people talk about IVF and I've always been very upfront about um, what it involves and when I'm in treatment, because um, I think it's important to, to talk about it and not make it taboo. And so all my clients were very aware that, you know, when I was injecting and, you know, when, when things were happening and everybody was waiting with bated breath in the two-week wait with me, and it, it was like they were on the journey uh, with us, which has been wonderful and heartbreaking because in the last four years, we've had uh, two ectopic pregnancies, four miscarriages and two, and two that didn't work. So it's been, <laughs> it's been a wee bit of a roll. So um, coming off the floor was really about um, I needed to have some control and I needed to look after myself a bit better to try and get this whole IVF thing to work. Um, and yeah. that's been, that's, it was really the kick up the bum that I needed to kind of do it. <laughs> this was kind of the conversation that when we first started uh, properly working together was that was your goal from the beginning. It's like, uh, Larissa, I'm in, I'm in the deep in the thick of it. Um, I need to create some space. And that was one of your objectives, not only to take back a little bit uh, back from Matt so he could breathe, um, mm. but really feel like you were in the driver's seat. And one of the things that needed to happen for that is that you know you needed to stop seeing clients. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey in terms of the fear that you felt prior, like what, what was going on before you decided to step off the floor? Let's talk about how you stepped off the floor and then where you are today. Will you take us kind of to the before, during and after of that process? Because it's been a real journey for you. 
It has. So I started trying to come off the floor um, about three years ago, three and a half years ago. Um, and because I knew the, the thing is when you're on the floor five days a week and you're running a full column, you really don't have the time to work on your business. And that was something that I realized after the industry awards, you know, when I got that buzz of, oh, this is, this is cool. Like we're running a business. This is amazing. Um, I wanted to work on the business. So I, I started trying to come off the floor and it, you know, didn't work. You know, the team wasn't right. And so it just, it never kind of happened. And every time I wasn't in the salon, there would be drama. And so taken a really long time for me to not have that fear because I've had the experience of of the negative impact of trying to do it um, over the last few years and so the way that it happened I made the decision in October last year um, I remember talking to you and being like I'm just gonna do it I'm gonna do it I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bloody go for it and I, because I'm quite impulsive, <laughs> I, I did. I sat down and I drafted this big email to my clients and I was really, really honest with them. And I said, look, you know, I am in another round of IVF treatment and I really want this to work. And at the moment, I have to put myself and my family first because health is more important than any job. Your mental and your physical comes first. A job is a job. And I say that to my girls. I'm like, your health is number one, be it up here, in here, or physically. Um, and it was actually time for me to practice what I preach. And I said to my clients, I want to give this round of IVF the best shot I can. And I really feel like I need some time away from clients off the floor where I can spend more time sitting down I can spend more time going to the gym. I can spend more time at home and really lower my stress levels. <laughs> um, and the feedback from clients was just incredible. And I wasn't expecting that. I, you know, you, you've got those one or two clients that you're like, oh, she's not going to like this. Um, and you're waiting. I was braced for the pushback. And I, I talked through it with my team and I said to them, hey, look, this is what I'm thinking. This is, this is my thought process. And I, I've had the same team now for the last uh, mostly three years. Um, so we really are family. And they were like, we support you a thousand percent. We are behind you. What do you need us to do? So I had the backing of my team. I had the support and the backing from my clients. And I gave them so much notice that I was able to um, really communicate and reassure them in salon that this was going to be a smooth process. The transition was going to be great. I was going to be there. I was still going to be in the salon. Um, and that I didn't want them to feel like I was just abandoning them. Um, because, you know, everyone's got an element of abandonment issues and some people don't react very well to, you know, turning around and saying, hey, I don't want to do the hair anymore. I'm, I'm going to do some personal stuff instead. Um, and so I made the transition really smooth. So the email went out in November. I didn't come off the floor until February. So I saw everybody at least once after the email had gone out. And I, you know, made sure everyone was taken care of at Christmas. 
And so by the time I stepped off, everyone was like, okay, bye, see ya, you know, go do you girl. And I called it a sabbatical. And it was so funny because people just assumed I was just going to be at home watching Netflix for three months. And so when I was in the salon in my new role as just salon CEO, and I was, I was there to just work on the business, um, they were like, why are you here? You're supposed to be looking after yourself. Um, and so... <laughs> Maybe I didn't communicate that quite as well as I thought I had. Um, but the clients have loved seeing me in my new role. And I've been told, I would say no less than half a dozen times, my gosh, you look so much more relaxed. And I think, you know, when these people that you see, be it every four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever, we, we see clients every week, um, when they can see that physical change in you, you know you've done something right. And my team just was so uplifted from me stepping back. I mean, I, I had many conversations with you. Where I was like, oh my God, our numbers are going to drop. It's going to be terrible. Clients are going to leave and I'm going to pick up the pieces in three months. And we laughed every month when we saw that the numbers were going up. And it's, let's just for a moment focus on that like let's literally say because I remember the first month and we had the conversation and I and you said well I need to drop my budget and I said no no you don't you put <laughs> and it up lo and behold, <laughs> yeah we put it up lo and behold it went up uh and has subsequently gone up every month since so yeah. what because you were in the business you were being present um what is it that that process has taught you? Well, let's, uh, let me ask you two things. What is it that you actually did to make that change? And two, what has that process taught you? I think when you're not in the, you're not the business, you're not the person that's, you know, the first there, last to leave, working on all the clients. I think when you step back and you take a look at your business, you see everything. And I've always run a very tight ship. Um, but I could see the things where we could elevate and it was about teaching my team to fill those holes and elevate them. So my role kind of became looking after the girls so that they could look after the clients. You know, I don't, I don't worry about the clients. I worry about my team. So it was making sure they had everything they needed to provide the best experience because my salon is all about experience. Um, it was making sure that everybody got that 10 out of 10 experience every time they came through the door and just being able to notice the little things. And um, a wise person said a couple of weeks ago, the fluff is enough. Um, and <laughs> and it, that's literally all I do. I fluff. I go in and I chat to clients and I, and I fluff. And, I, you know, I'm the first person to say, oh, my God, that color is amazing. Oh, you must tell me that toner to my girls because their work is outstanding and having somebody there kind of going wow that's so good it just uplifts them you know and it just makes them work harder and I and that was the thing um I noticed was that they they actually got more out of my clients than I was getting so how's that a bad thing ever you know, and, and my clients were so happy. So I just want to connect the fluff is enough because it was such a pivotal conversation. But <laughs> the fluff is enough 
uh, for, for those that weren't in our conversation, Abby, the fluff is enough is in terms of you being present for clients and being present in the salon for the team. Like um, that's enough for you to be present for those clients. Because yeah. really, I just wanted to make sure the fluff, like we don't just turn into fluffy CEOs and we're not doing the other work. <laughs> just, to, just to clarify that, like just for that front end stuff. Um, but because you could come in and you could do the fluff, then you could also look for the gaps, train the gaps, yeah. work on the gaps, fix all the gaps, because actually you can see the gaps now. Yeah. And it's amazing what you can see when you step outside. And I think that's the most important thing for a salon owner is you don't really know your business until you're not in the business. Yeah. Um, and it's outside the goldfish bowl. Yeah. Well, you need to it. be looking in. in no, yeah. that's thing. You need to get off the hamster wheel. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're several months down the track now. We're six, five or six months now. Tell us yeah. where you're at now in this process. Well, the FOMO got really real. I'll be honest. Um, and I, I love not being on the floor, but I also miss being on the floor. And I'm somebody that really craves structure and routine. And um, I really miss the structure of having appointments. And even though I book myself appointments in my diary for my tasks, um, I just kind of miss the people side of things and I felt like I wasn't really getting my cup fully filled. I'd had the rest that I needed, um, but I needed to, I've, in the last month, I've really felt like I needed to do some hair. So I've now gone back on the floor one day a week um, and I'm really just doing blondes um, because that's what I love. And that gives me enough of the technical hands-on side of things that I still feel like I'm in the game. The girls still see me working. They still see me on the floor um, doing what they do. Um, but I've, I'm spending more time working on the business and, and I really love that. I just, I've never felt more in control of my salon than I do now. And it was, it was never something that I was interested in in the first couple of years because I just had decided that that was Matt's job. Um, but over the last three years, I've really... I know my numbers, I know my business, I know where there's growth. And I think we just trucked along at a really cruisy pace for a few years and that was great. But now I'm like, right, where are we going to take this? Um, and that's exciting. I never thought I would be sat here saying that that is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so nice to see you in the driver's seat and have a new sort of Renew, renewed enthusiasm for your business not just for the hair side and I feel like now also you've found a really nice balance of both you've yeah. got the creative cup fill, filled you've reinvented yourself by not just going back to the same old clients that you have you've uh, established yourself with some new expertise something that you love and only doing the stuff that you love um, while staying in the driver's seat you're leading from the front yeah yeah I love it Okay, I want to ask this question. Uh, what would be two tangible, measurable changes that you've recognised in your business since we've hung out together and you've come and joined us in Salon Mastery? Um, control. And with control comes freedom. Um, for sure. Hang you on, know. hang on, hang on. Did you hear that? With control comes freedom. Yeah. Two words that are supposedly opposing 
Uh, I love it. Thank yeah, you. I, I mean, I, I now have control of my business, which gives me the freedom to live a life. Um, and it, it really, the control side of things is really, really important. And um, I'll tell you why. If you know what is happening in your salon without actually being in your salon, you have the freedom to relax and do whatever you're doing outside of the salon. And I've, I've always been more, a little bit of a control freak. I'm probably more of a control freak than I give myself credit for. Um, and I've always been under the assumption that they need me. They need me. The clients need me. The team need me. And if they don't have me, it's just, you know, it's not going to work. And stepping off the floor just proved the fact that they really don't need me at all um, in the salon, in that capacity. What they need me to do is, is lead from the top. Um, and they need me to do the high level things that they don't need to think about so that their job's easier. And if I get my job done, their job's easier, the clients are happier, and I'm free to live my life. I love it. All right, so what's one piece of advice or words of wisdom that you'd give to other salon owners uh, from all of this experience that you've had? Oh, don't give up. I mean, God, the amount of times I said to Matt, let's just burn the salon down. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, we got to that point. I really got to that point so many times. I was like, I'm done. I, don't, I just can't deal with this. Like, people are cruel and you know, life is hard and sometimes it gets too much and you genuinely do not see the light at the end of the tunnel. And having sat down and looked back over the last six and a half years and, and everything that we've overcome, I would say don't give up because it's never as big as you think it is or it feels at the time. And I think as hairdressers, we're super emotional and uh, it's very hard to separate emotion from business. And so I think we do it a little bit harder than most because of that. I certainly feel like I do. Um, so, yeah, just don't don't give up because there will come a point when you're going to sit back and you're going to reflect and you're going to go, wow, we got through all of that. And you're going to feel so proud of yourself and it will make you stronger for the future. I love it. Um, all right, what is a quote, a mantra or something that keeps you going that you can share with us? Okay, so I ha literally have this in my diary, front page. I don't know where I saw it, but it, I wrote it as soon as I saw it, um, just to remind me. So it's, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. So it just kind of summarizes what I just said about not giving up. Totally. Yeah, totally. I love that. I haven't heard that one either. I think that's really, really great. All right. We're definitely going to share that one. Um, all right. Last but certainly not least, uh, what's a book, a resource, a podcast or something that you've consumed recently that you think all salon owners should get their hands on? Well, I have two. Um, and the first one is obviously yours. Um, your podcast has... It, it was actually super pivotal in me actually feeling like I wasn't alone in this industry. You know, it's very, very easy to be your own worst awful critic and actually having a resource like the Salon Owners Collective where we can listen to other people that are doing it dirty in the trenches with us and give us their life experiences. 
it really helped me to kind of see that anything was, you know, you could overcome anything really because somebody else has already done it. So it's not going to kill you. Um, the second thing, and I know a lot of people talk about her because she is probably one of the most amazing women in the world. And if I ever get to meet her, it will make my life. Uh, but Brene Brown is just, she's incredible. And I, and she talks about courage and being vulnerable and vulnerability is something I have a huge, huge issue with. I've always thought that being vulnerable is to be weak. And I watched her, if you've never read any of her books, watch her TED talk on Netflix because it's a really great introduction to her. Um, and she's got the most amazing Southern accent as well, which you could listen to all day. Um, but she really helped me get my head around the fact that you don't get anywhere without being vulnerable. And actually to be vulnerable is to be brave and to put yourself out there and, and get outside your own head and outside the box. And you might fail, but you, you know, what if you don't? So she has a ton of books. Um, so I love Dare to Lead. That's my favorite. But she also has Daring Greatly and Rising Strong. And if, um, I always listen to her audio books rather than read her book because I just love her voice. Um, and she's got such a soothing tone that if you're having a day where you're like, oh my God, I can't do this. I just want to go and scream in the car. Put her on because she will talk you off the ledge. Um, without you even realizing. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I think we'll link all of those uh, three books up in the show notes uh, of this podcast. Abby, you've been such a pleasure to speak with, to really hear your story uh, in a little more detail has been, uh, has been really great. I know that someone out there needed to hear what you had to say today. So, today. so I uh, really appreciate it. It's such a pleasure working with you because you're an action taker. Uh, you manage to kind of work through uh, emotional roadblocks that you have and just get on and get it done, which I think is one of the attributes to your success. So good for you. Um, yeah, thank you thanks. so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for always being in my corner because, you know, another woman propping up another woman is what we need more of in this world. So thank you for always having my back. Amen to that. Thanks, Abby. <laughs> Bye. A huge thank you, Abby, for being super vulnerable and sharing your journey in detail with us today. I truly appreciate it. It's a huge inspiration that as a salon owner that you feel the fear um, and do it anyway. And I think that's really great. It's really awesome to see proof that no matter what, if you keep going, you can get there. Uh, I really loved what you had to say about prioritizing your team. And at the end of the day, they are the ones who help make the salon what it is, right? Therefore, they need care, especially if you're going to prioritize working on the business. You need to be able to trust those working in the business. So if you resonated with Abby's story from today, then I have an idea from you, for you. <laughs> I've got a snapshot activity that's perfect for salon owners like you who want to step more into the CEO role, less time on clients, more time on the things that are really going to move the needle in your business. It's game-changing for any salon owner who wants to truly achieve the dream life of freedom and profit. So if you want to get your hands on it, I'm going to leave the link in the show notes of this episode under Inner CEO Snapshot. Let me know how you get on with it. Send it my, my way. I would love to see the results 
of the snapshot activity. Otherwise, catch you later next time, episode, next episode, same time, same place. And ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.